Hello and welcome to the ASB Investment Podcast, a show that keeps you up to date on the markets and helps you make smart choices with your investments. I'm your host, Chris Tennant-Brown, and in this episode, I'll be covering the big news of the week, that being the announcement of ASB's new partnership with US investment firm BlackRock. BlackRock is one of the world's biggest investment management companies, and they've been helping us manage ASB customers' funds since 2015. To talk about what this new partnership era means for ASB investors, I'm joined today by ASB Head of Investments, John Smith, and from BlackRock, we're joined by Jason Collins and David Griffith. We'll also talk about the outlook for the rest of the year, including some thoughts on the latest COVID-19 developments, inflation, and the prospects of rising interest rates. These are entirely our own views. It's not investment advice, but we know plenty of experts at ASB who will be happy to chat if you need. So firstly, John, welcome to the studio. Oh, thanks, uh, Chris. Good to be back. Uh, been a while, but uh, nice cold morning here in, in Auckland. Yeah, it's uh, certainly uh, quite warm in this little tiny booth that we have to hang out in for the next uh, while. And uh, Jason and David, thanks for dialing in from Sydney, where I imagine you're uh, wondering just when this latest lockdown will end. How are you going, Jason? Uh, great, thanks, Chris. Uh, uh, you know, I'm in the office today. I'm the only person actually in the office today. Uh, we are working remotely at the moment. And I was just reading this morning that uh, it's possible that the lockdown will last for another few weeks. So it's a pretty unusual situation and not one that, that we expected. We thought we were out of this, but um, clearly we've done a lot better than many other countries in the world. Australia and New Zealand are both bad fairly well compared to some of our colleagues offshore. But it's a, it's going to take a long time to uh, till we get to the end of this. And hey, welcome to the podcast, Dave. How are you going in the latest lockdown? Thank you, Chris. Yeah, I guess no real complaints on my side. I actually um, I managed to escape the escape Sydney before the recent lockdown, so I'm bunkered down actually up on the central coast of New South Wales, about an hour and a half north of Sydney. So yeah, feeling a bit more secure up here for the time being, away from the sort of red zones in Sydney. So it's it's not so bad. Oh, good stuff. And due to the uh, wonders of, of technology, we can see each other, talk with each other and, uh, and, and get on with our jobs. So thanks for all joining me. Now, I'll start with, uh, with John. John, uh, like myself, has been at ASB for many years, not far off uh, two decades, in fact. So, John, um, let's start off with you just telling us about the ASB relationship with BlackRock and started back in 2015 and how it's developed and what's the key differences with this new partnership. Cool, cool. Thanks, Thanks Chris. Um, so actually the, the, the story of um, this latest uh, uh, relationship with BlackRock is, uh, is, is an evolutionary story for, for ASB and our investment approach. So back in 2015, you know, we, we, we um, found that there was an opportunity now for us to actually be engaging directly with managers of global equities rather than as we had been through pools, and that was going to give our customers a, an advantage in terms of uh, after-tax returns. So we went out and we did a search of the market, and, and we, we reviewed a number of fund managers, and we uh, we, f- we selected BlackRock uh, as the best of the bunch that we, we, we considered uh, through global search. Um, the things that stood out for us uh, at that time, particularly with BlackRock, was this really strong alignment between culture and values between BlackRock and ASB, this really, really strong focus on on customers and so we, we you know over the period since 2015 they've been managing uh, our underlying assets global global equities and emerging markets and global property shares and it's been a it's been a really strong relationship we've really enjoyed working with the team so um, so the 
continue on the evolutionary theme, and it's, it's like around 2019 we started thinking about, so where do we go next? Our, our, one of our strongest investment beliefs is that asset allocation and currency decisions are some of the most important decisions we make. They're the, they're the ones that have the biggest impact on, on customer returns, and we've been doing that internally since... Uh, since the beginning, uh, we've been doing it quite well. But you know, the question in our minds was, how can we just take that to another level? Uh, and so, at that stage, we started looking at so, what are the different ways we could approach that? We, again, we did a, a bit of a search, and, and as a result of that, we we decided to sort of extend our relationship with with, with BlackRock. Uh, we found that the BlackRock team have absolutely amazing resources, global global capabilities have a really strong track record in um, and particularly in this in this uh, in the area that we're developing the relationship which is to bring asset allocation and currency into their management so so um, you know this is going to help uh, produce better returns for our customers is our expectation we're going to be more uh, able to um, respond to market events uh, and uh, we just think it's going to be um, you know broadening of uh, bringing bringing insourcing the, the 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 vast capability of BlackRock into the benefit of our customers in in multiple ways. So this sounds like something you're pretty excited about, John. Oh, I am. I've been working on it for for you know in the best part of two years. Um, fascinating the conversation we were just having about COVID and working remotely. You know, actually we met with the the team at BlackRock. Uh, the beginning of 2020, and and now we've been working on this for nearly 18 months, and only in that time did we actually meet face to face. Every other bit that we've done has been remote, but it's sort of like just it's just a reflection of the sort of re- relationship we have with the people. Uh, is that you can build something like this completely remotely, uh, and it's just incredibly powerful and strong. Yeah, I'm very excited about it. I think it's going to be fantastic for for our customers. Oh, good stuff. And Jason, you're the head of uh, client business in Australasia and a member of the BlackRock Australia board. Tell us a bit about your role and, and, and how you will fit in with this partnership with ASB. Yeah, thanks, Chris. I mean, my role in a nutshell is to try and connect all of the resources and all of the capabilities that BlackRock has globally and direct it towards our um, our largest customers in the region. And uh, ASB is one of our largest customers in the region. We uh, started working with John and his team, as John said, around five years ago. And I think um, through the evolution of our relationship, um, bit by bit, um, John and his team has been able to leverage the resources that we've got and we've been able to provide you know, tremendous access to our experts all around the world. Um, and it's, you know, I think through the relationship, John's spoken to people in London, uh, New York, San Francisco, uh, Hong Kong, um, Australia. And so it's been a really deep uh, relationship. Broadly speaking, I look after the client relationships that we've got, um, marketing and corporate affairs and a lot of the areas that relate to our public um, uh, our public stance and perception. Uh, and the board role is really a governance role because in Australia we're a, uh, an organisation which issues product uh, and also as a tax-paying organisation. So it's a, a pretty broad role and, um, yeah, I, d- I look after our customers essentially. Good stuff. David, you're the Head of Investment Strategy for BlackRock's uh, Multi-Asset Strategies Group. And so can you explain to our listeners a little bit about your role? 
Yeah, sure. Thanks, Chris. So I guess in my role, I'm responsible for setting the investment strategy for a range of different multi-asset portfolios we, we manage within our team. Um, you know, so sitting within the multi-asset team at BlackRock, we get the fun job um, of picking all and choosing between all the cool asset class building blocks and tools that we have at the firm uh, for constructing portfolios. You know, whether that's from an index perspective, factors, active, ESG, alternatives, there's a huge range of different building blocks we can pick and choose from and across different investment styles of systematic and fundamental. Um, we also have access to third-party manager strategies. Um, so these are strategies outside of, you know, external to BlackRock. So to use a bit of an analogy, and Jason, you're going to love this one, um, I sort of think it was, it's a bit like an episode of MasterChef where you've got a pantry full of these great ingredients, and I'm kind of the chef that brings them all together to hopefully create something special at the end of the day. Um, and, you know, a key part of my job is to actually work with investment teams like John's uh, to provide them access to the same high-quality building blocks and the technology that I have access to at BlackRock to help John's team deliver better investment outcomes for ASB's investors. Yeah, that's. Uh, I guess that's the bottom line on it. And hey, here's a fun fact. I think we all were at uh, Bankers Trust or the Mighty BT in the uh, in the 1990s. I was uh, in New Zealand, but I visited the uh, the Sydney offices many times. But that's a story for another day, and we're we're here to learn more about uh, BlackRock and what it does for investors. So let's just talk a little bit about the size. Now, ASB's um, one of the big players in the New Zealand market, but here we talk about funds under management and. The, uh, in the billions of dollars, and uh, BlackRock, uh, I think, measures funds under management in the in the trillions of dollars. But like ASB, the bulk of the fund that BlackRock manages is people's hard-earned retirement savings. So, I guess, despite the scale, we're we're actually in exactly the the same business. But to to give our uh, listeners some some idea about that scale, just how big is BlackRock, and how do partnerships such as the one we're talking about with ASB fit into BlackRock's overall um, business strategy, Jason? Yeah, it's a funny thing when we talk about size, because when you work in the organisation or when you are dealing with clients, I don't think that we feel like a large organisation. I think um, the, the size is, a, you know, it's in the trillions, and um, it's money that we manage on behalf of clients. It's not our own money. We're, we're a fiduciary. We don't invest our own money. We only manage our clients' money. Um, and, you know, a lot of it is scale um, when you manage index money. So you manage money against a certain index. Um, it is, you know, there is a there is a science to it and it's um, quite systematized. Uh, but, you know, as an organization, I think we are around 16,000 employees uh, in all parts of the world. But uh, if you look at the DNA of the, of the company, BlackRock was founded by um, eight people 35 years ago. I think five of those people are still engaged with the organisation in some capacity, including the CEO uh, and the president. Um, and all of us, uh, Dave and myself, know those founders. Um, it does feel like a pretty small organisation when you work in it. And, you know, I'm interested in John's thoughts on that because uh, John's been facing into us for the last five years. And... John, I'd be surprised if you thought that we we felt like a big organisation that was difficult to navigate. Yeah, no, you, you're right, um, Jason. It, it doesn't feel like a big organisation. You manage trillions of dollars, but it's a it's an organisation that feels uh, yeah, it's, it's got, almost got a family feel feel to it. Uh, and uh, it's one of the things that uh, you know we really enjoy. Uh, it's a very similar culture to ASB. I liked um, when I get onto the uh, to the website. You can see that uh, that that coming through. And and one of the things I really like about BlackRock comes right from the top. And I'm talking about uh, 
Larry Fink's letters to to CEOs. I'm I'm sure many listeners have read them too. And uh, I feel like he uh, prods and prods CEOs about key investment themes and concerns. Um, they're not fads. They're things like climate change that are that are really important to all of us. And um, I'm interested in how these. Themes that Larry raises, like climate change, like the focus on environment, social and governance issues, impact your 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 roles and the things you do at BlackRock. Starting with you, Jason. Oh, look, it flows through the organisation. It really permeates through all of us and everything that we do. And it's um, it's a funny thing. I mean, Larry, um, and David knows him, and and I know him, and um, you know, he's been uh, to our region quite a few times, and. You know, I, th- I think he's been a, a visionary to start an organisation 35 years ago and for it to grow in the way it has has been extraordinary. And, you know, he started writing uh, letters, uh, you know, in 2012 and he, he really, the aim was to, um, to, to be a fiduciary and to represent our clients uh, when speaking to companies. So he's been writing letters to CEOs um, for the last uh, 10 years and really, um, it became, you know, a big public thing, I think, a couple of years ago when he wrote a letter on purpose and he talked about stakeholder capitalism and it was about recognising an organisation's roles and responsibilities beyond um, shareholder returns. And it, uh, it went into areas like, you know, what is the purpose of an organisation? Um, how do you view your employees? How do you um, work with the communities where you operate? Um, and it was really about stakeholder engagement and, it caused quite a, um, you know, I mean, I think, you know, people stood up and took note and uh, it caused a lot of debate. And then, you know, from that, Larry's letters over the last few years have been, you know, increasingly forthright. Uh, in 2020, he um, floated the notion of climate risk is investment risk. And I should say, the first time that I came across um, such explicit language was your sovereign fund, New Zealand Super, going back a few years ago, made a very public stance around climate risk. Um, and so, you know, when Larry uh, did that, I'd seen that before the New Zealand Super, but certainly on a global stage, it made a big difference. Um, and we took some direct steps ourselves around things that we were going to commit to when it came to climate change. And then this year, um, I think the ante was really upped around supporting an ambition to a net zero greenhouse gas uh, emissions by 2050. Uh, and we've put in place a bunch of actions there. Our engagement stepped up with organisations that we invest in. Uh, in some cases, we invest because we have to track an index, so they're not active investments, but um, our shareholdings on the registry, uh, we um, are representing our clients. And so we really are engaging very heavily with organisations um, around the world uh, for the for the purpose of trying to uh, produce, I think a better a better future. Um, now that's a really large statement, but um, if you delve down into the individual actions that BlackRock's taking, all the questions we're asking of large organisations at the moment, um, we really are trying to to live our purpose. Yeah, it uh, certainly makes you feel pretty good about your job when there's then when there's that big focus on working on behalf of our clients for things in addition to to returns. David, how do these themes flow into into your role? Yeah, sure. I mean, sustainability and ESG has become an increasingly important investment theme, I would say, over the last few years, as more investors start to adopt ESG investment policies, you know, and assess ESG risks in their portfolios. And this is starting to drive the flow of capital towards more sustainable sectors, 
um, of the market away from less sustainable. So for actually for investment teams at BlackRock, it's it's actually a requirement that we incorporate ESG considerations into the investment process and the way we construct portfolios. So from a multi-asset perspective, we think about this across a few different dimensions. Um, you know, firstly, the adoption of baseline screens. So removing ESG sensitive sectors um, from the portfolios, the so sectors like tobacco, uh, weapons, fossil fuels, et cetera. Um, the second way we think about it is integration. And this generally occurs at the, within the asset class. So active investment teams assess each investment on the on ESG part, as part of their investment process. Um, and make investment decisions around this and whether to include a company um, in the portfolio or alter the weight, up weight or down weight. Um, and that's a very important way that, that ESG gets integrated into, into the process. And then thirdly, and I think we, we've touched on this a bit earlier, is around stewardship and company engagement. You know, every portfolio at BlackRock benefits from our stewardship program. Um, where the team engages with company boards to, to influence change. So, so when we're building multi-asset portfolios, we need to be mindful of the building blocks that we're using, the extent to which they incorporate screens and integration, and what this means for the overall portfolio in terms of ESG score uplift and, and carbon footprint, uh, et cetera. That's an amazing range of things that you do on behalf of your uh, clients, and uh, we'll certainly be looking forward to you doing some of those things for us here at ASB. And John, this was obviously a long process uh, for you, and, and you must have developed some feelings about this along the way. How important were those um, values and investment beliefs of ASBs and, and BlackRocks were aligned, and, and how long did it take you to assess that and come to the conclusions that they were running in the same direction? Oh, well, I mean, I, I answer the last bit first. I mean, I suppose it didn't take long at all. I mean, I, I think that 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 these guys, um, you know, walk the talk. So it's pretty easy to see um, where their values are and, and and how the culture is because you just see it in just the day to day interactions. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's hugely important. I think that that some of the things that I, I hear played back from the the BlackRock team is. Is the focus on customer that ASB has, and uh, and you know we hear it in, you've heard it in, in the way that um, David and Jason have been speaking uh, already, and certainly I hear it on a day to day basis when we're talking to them. It's just this focus on customer, the fiduciary perspective, which is that we're we're managing our customers' money. This is not our money. It's not our views. We have to reflect our customers, and we have to get outcomes for our customers. And I think those things, uh, you know, the areas of very strong alignment between uh, the two organisations and the two teams. Uh, and uh, you know that came that became evident really early on. Let's cut to the the nitty gritty and the and the here and now. Um, what sort of things do you think ASB investors can expect to get out of this partnership? You know, so so as, as I said, the the evolution here is is to be better uh, than we have been. You know, we've been we've been very successful. We've been very good. We've you know more and more customers have over the years. Um, chosen to invest with us, and their balances with us, have, with us have grown. We're always looking to to improve. So that the, the the you know the the key focus of this is that um, <laughs> I use the analogy because you know, we our, our office is at North Wharf. So we look out we look out to where the America's Cup boats are, and so it was very easy for me to say we need to make the boat go faster. So um, so and and I'm sure this is, um, David's probably heard this a few times. Let's make the boat go faster, and and that's the key theme. We look what we're looking for here is to make the boat go faster to get better investment outcomes for our customers at the at the at the bottom of it that's that's what um, that's what our aim is it's always also our, always our aim is to, to to get better outcomes so you know that's a, that's going to be a key focus so the, the the things that BlackRock are going to be 
doing for us to reiterate. Um, they're going to be um, taking the reins of the asset allocation and the currency process, so moving, making decisions about which asset classes to invest in and, and how much currency exposure we need to have. Uh, we'll, we'll retain um, the decisions to, to uh, invest in with underlying managers, so while BlackRock manages uh, some of the assets uh, in the underlying sense, we'll choose emerging markets and global property. Um, we have other managers in that group, uh, some managers in New Zealand and some, some other big global managers in the, in the group that are managing the underlying assets. So, so BlackRock will be orchestrating the, the allocation of money across, uh, across those underlying managers. That's the role that they'll be playing for us. Um, but also, I suppose, we're going to be getting um, just, just leaning into the, the incredible depth of resources that, that, that BlackRock has. They have uh, an investment institute, which is a, a think tank with a bunch of PhDs uh, in it, uh, where we can sort of like draw upon their expertise. Um, Jason was talking a lot about you know climate and and the you know the advances that that BlackRock's been making in that area, and uh, you know we have a program of work over the next twelve months, which will be advancing our climate strategy and looking to evolve some of our products, uh, re- responsible investing, and and again BlackRock is going to be really. Uh, helpful and supportive for us in terms of that that development, and I think that it also I think we'll we'll see a lot more um, pass through of just market views, um, collateral, just supportive material that will help our customers get closer to what's actually going on in the portfolio. I think we more of this type of stuff. I think is is also something that we'll be able to bring through from BlackRock, and I think that's going to be to the benefit of our customers as well. And uh, Jason and David, uh, well, one of the upshots of, of this partnership is that you guys will be able to come across the Tasman and, and visit the country of the World Test Cricket Champions. So that's clearly a, a, big, a big plus. But what are you looking forward to in the relationship beyond obviously coming to a good cricket playing nation like New Zealand? Well, um, just to, to extend the sporting analogy, Australia is a, um, a nation of tennis players uh, after Ash Barty's win last week. So rugby and cricket we won't talk about at the moment. But, um, but we are looking uh, forward to, to visiting again. You know, throughout the partnership, we, uh, you know, I think that, um, that a few of us were in the ASB offices regularly, you know, I'd say every uh, couple of months over a, a, a several-year period. Um and also John and um, Adam and a range of executives from ASB were in our offices here in Sydney. So it's been a, a great uh, sort of personal interaction over an extended period of time. And I think uh, one thing I do want to say is, you know, BlackRock globally doesn't um, doesn't uh, have end investor customers through advisors. We don't own distribution, uh, for want of a better term. So partnerships are really the DNA of, of our organisation and the quality of client engagement uh, is the way that we uh, raise assets uh, to invest on behalf of our clients. And so we have very few um, partnerships uh, in New Zealand, you know, uh, I'd say one or two meaningful uh, longer term relationships, which really leverage the broad depth of BlackRock um, and ASB touches on a lot of different parts of BlackRock and is unique in that aspect in the region. So it's been... um, you know, I, I look really forward to coming back over as this David and our and our broader team, uh, because there's a lot that we can do and there's a lot we can learn. And as I said before, when it came to climate, I think uh, New Zealand was a pioneer, uh, and your sovereign fund was a real pioneer. Um, 
and uh, you know, for us to keep coming over and learning from the things you do with your end clients um, has been has been fantastic, and we can't wait to do it again. Oh, good stuff! And and David, how about for you? What sort of things are you looking forward to? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I guess you know, John mentioned it earlier. I mean, um, I actually, we really enjoy working with John and his team. I guess we've been, you know, we talk about the last two years and the journey that we've been on together, John. And um, you know, when we when we we must talk at least two, three, four times a week now. Um, and I, I kind of sense that you know, so in in our meetings with just with with the team in general, it's not about ASB, it's not about BlackRock, it's about us, and we talk about us as a team. It really feels like a team. Um, you know, team approach to, to this. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to working with John and and, and the broader investment team uh, at ASB. Um, and then secondary, like I really want to you know bring to bear basically the full BlackRock toolkit um, into into ASB's portfolios to deliver better outcomes for for rent clients. Make the boat go faster, as uh, as as Make John said. Make the boat go faster. Yeah. Totally. Hey, well, and and let's uh, let's turn to the investment landscape. And uh, and I'll be honest, if you'd uh, asked me 15 months ago where financial markets would be uh, right now, I wouldn't have predicted that we'd be sitting around talking about share markets trading at all time highs, um, let alone starting to fret about uh, inflation uh, and debating whether the Reserve Bank of New Zealand will raise uh, the official cash rate this year or not. They, it's it's just seems like things are going incredibly well. So I'm getting a lot of questions in my role as a senior economist about are share markets too high right now? What's going on in the bond market? Should we worry about interest rates uh, rising much quicker? Um, so just some um, key thoughts from you, David, I think would be really interesting on on on, on just where you think um, the major markets, the share markets and bond markets are at right now and 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 a bit of an outlook. Yeah, so I mean, I would say, you know, the, the COVID reopening is very different to, say, the recovery post the global financial crisis. Um, you know, this time around, we've got substantial policy stimulus to bridge the gap. I think in the US, it's something like four times the stimulus um, for less than one quarter of the economic shock. So this is huge policy stimulus that we're seeing from central banks uh, and governments around the world. Um, we're also seeing policy policy regime uh, shifts from, from central banks. Um, the US... Fed, the ECB um, being more patient on rising inflation in this cycle, which has really important uh, implications for markets, and particularly bond yields. And I'll get to that um, in a minute. Um, so just looking at equity markets, sure. I mean, while traditional price earnings metrics, you know, valuations look lofty, we need to consider the expected yield or return on these assets um, with respect to other assets in the portfolio. And one way to look at that is what we call the equity risk premium. Uh, which is basically comparing your your equity uh, yield versus your your ten year bond yield, and on that metric, it still looks relatively good. Uh, it's something like eight uh, percent equity risk premium based on in the US based on uh, forward earnings for for US equities and um, you know real yields. So you know this when you're building a portfolio, it's it's all about trade offs and. Um, you know, we, we're still fairly constructive on the outlook for equities, despite the sort of more traditional, um, you know, valuation metrics looking at, looking a bit steep at, at the moment. Um, so, yeah, I would say there's more uncertainty, though, further out the curve. The key question is around, you know, what happens to inflation? You know, I guess the big debate in the market right now is, is it transitory? Uh, you know, we just had another another print of US CPI. Um, you know, is it structural? Uh, what happens to company margins in a post-COVID world where companies look to secure, you know, more reliable supply change, uh, you know, wage pressures start to set in, uh, workforce immobility, you know, compared to pre-COVID levels, all these things need to play out. So, it, it, you know, there will be some fundamental changes we're going to see happening in markets. Um, 
So I would say as the near-term economic bounce from reopening fades, and if inflation looks to be less transitory and a bit more structural, um, you know, we definitely expect markets to be more volatile um, compared to previous levels. Um, and you know, markets could start to test the central bank's resolve to look through spikes in inflation. Um, so we, we could start to see a bit of you know, volatility coming back into markets. But look, overall, over a longer-term time horizon, we still see, you know, based on our 10-year capital market assumption, assumptions, we still see positive returns from global equities of around 6% or thereabouts. Um, and we're actually seeing a you know positive re- return from bonds actually uh, of around one percent. So um, yeah. So summary is short term we think fairly constructive on reset assets given all the policy stimulus, uh, but this has got a long way to uh, to play out. Yeah, those bond yields have been a uh, an interesting one for for us. Uh, we we got to incredibly low levels uh, last year. I think our ten year government bond was down to around 05 percent. Now it's up about a percent from that, and we're seeing that start to flow through to uh, other areas. Mortgage rates here, for example, the longer-term rates are on the rise, so people are talking more about uh, higher interest rates uh, over the year ahead. But in a historical sense, they're still still quite low, which seems, as you say, pretty su- supportive. Now, some of these issues uh, I find uh, incredibly complex to um, explain. To, to to customers over the course of this pandemic, there's been a there's been some pretty scary moments. March last year, um, but also pretty rewarding. Now, when we when we're chatting to clients and they hung on in there through that 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 down period, um, and and equity markets have come back so strongly. So there's been some really rewarding aspects of uh, client communication. So maybe we'll finish with you, uh, Jason, just to talk about some of the things that BlackRock's done over the past 18 months to help clients understand what's going on. And, and, it, and the bottom line is help them achieve their investment goals. What's been happening in that space for you? Yeah, thanks, Chris. I mean, it was really extraordinary last March, uh, the way that markets moved. You had double-digit moves overnight. And, um, you know, as New Zealand market opened and then Australia opened, we were really having to move very quickly to communicate with clients because anxiety levels were really high. I mean, this was new territory. You hadn't seen um, an event like this, you know, since the Spanish flu going back, you know, 100 years. So, um, the way that we reacted and communicated to clients, we had to innovate. Um, we were very fortunate. Uh, in our office here, we have uh, 40 investors across all asset classes. So if there was a particular sector issue or a particular asset class that was coming under pressure, and obviously equities came under a lot of pressure and certain sectors within equities came under pressure, we had an expert on hand. And um, I, my background a long time before Bankers Trust, Chris, in the 90s was I was a, a financial markets journalist. And so I ended up doing a series of podcasts and interviews with all of our investors here. Um, actually, we rotated through different investors and we got them out to clients straight away. Uh, and John and his team uh, received those um, updates as soon as we recorded them. And, um, you know, the ability to turn information around and communicate very quickly was great. Uh, we put it into the written word and, and sent it out to clients. And I think, you know, we can we can remove, we're able to move a lot of friction in the system for our clients who might have had to have waited to the end of the month or a certain time frame to get information out to their investors. So I, I um, it's funny, um, it was a really difficult time. Um, I was really pleased that we came out with a strong stance at BlackRock and essentially said, you know, as equity sold off, um, you know, we we thought it was prudent to reweight your balanced portfolios to have a neutral stance in equities, which was an extraordinary call because the equity market sold off 
I think, 30%, you know, to say, you know, top up your equity holdings back to um, back to neutral. Um, and it wasn't, it wasn't advice, it was just a view that we had in our institute. But to share that information um, out to our clients was, was, was great. I think it was reassuring, um, you know, because people's savings um, are certainly on the line. If you've got retirement savings and it's invested in equities and you see such a big hit, it's quite disconcerting. So information is really important um, and providing John and his team information in a timely way to help translate that to portfolios and to customer communications was, was, um, was something that we did very quickly and enjoyed doing at the time. Yeah, that certainly uh, must resonate with you too, John. Hey, I think this has been a a, a great chat and uh, this sort of uh, communication and, and, and the things that we've been talking about is stuff that I think will be great to do more of in the future and I think our investors will really look forward to that too. So thanks guys for dialing in from Sydney. I hope you're not uh, stuck in uh, restricted conditions for, uh, for too much longer and I'll look forward to chatting with you in the future and thanks John for joining me here in the booth. Yeah, thanks Chris. Thank you. Thank you Chris. Thanks, John. Thanks for listening to the ASB Investment Podcast. If you have any thoughts on today's episode, or if there's anything you'd like us to discuss on a future show, get in touch at podcasts at asb.co.nz.